Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Thank you for tuning in for another edition of the 5-0 Show. I'm Jamie Rothschild, the host of the show. And if you're looking at your calendar, your clock, your watch, it's it's not Monday through Friday. You're going to hear Mike Broomhead here in a second, Monday through Friday on KTAR, but he, he is joining us on the weekend show. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's weird to be in this chair. I'm usually interviewing you guys, but no, it's fun. I got to be honest with you. I am actually excited about uh, asking you those questions because your profession is an interviewer. And, and, and I don't think, by the way, people realize how hard your job is. I think they think you'd go in and just talk for a couple hours, but essentially you're talking to yourself for a couple hours minus some interviews, right? That was the strangest thing about getting into radio because I started out doing public speaking and you always get a reaction. Um, I compared it to um, getting caught singing in your car by the person next to you because you go in a soundproof room, you put on headphones and you do, you just talk to yourself. So that was the hardest part for me to get over that um, I was talking to people because there was nobody in the room. You don't know if you're funny. You don't know if you're not. And it's just a weird to not be able to get, it took a long time before I got used to not getting that immediate reaction. I asked Jamie West one day, I said, do you ever get recognized by your voice? I, I think a lot of people know what you look like, but I think everybody recognizes your voice. Does that ever happen to you? All the time. So when you said the time. public speaking, you didn't, you weren't like a high school kid going to journalism school in college. No. This wasn't the goal. Like, can you walk us through how that happened? Yeah. Um, my brother was killed early in the war when the Iraq war started. So on Memorial Day of 2003, the war started in March. He followed the invasion in with his unit into Baghdad. And then they were sent to Ramadi and then eventually Fallujah. So they were in that Sunni triangle. And uh, he was a Bradley commander with the 3rd ACR. And on Memorial Day of 2003, he was killed in combat. And I'm the oldest brother. He was my middle brother. And so I was kind of the family spokesman and uh, just started speaking out. When I came back home to Phoenix, I started speaking at pro troops rallies and things of that nature. And it went from public speaking in that regard. I was asked to join the Bush campaign in 04 as a volunteer and traveled all over the place. I was at the president's ranch in Crawford, Texas. Um, I gave a speech on the National Mall in D.C., um, and, you know, you're sitting there. I felt like Forrest Gump. Remember the scene where he does that speech where you can't believe you're there? That's what happened. And uh, it spun from that in guest appearances on Fox News and CNN. And then from there in a radio studio in Phoenix. And someone just said, hey, you're good at this. Do you want to try it? And I did a weekend show for free for a while. And then they started paying me. You come off like every man, but you've got an, an incredibly astute political mind. And before we talk about that, I just want to kind of take a moment if we could honor. So you have a brother who's a, a sheriff's deputy. I think he's a lieutenant now. Yeah. And then you, you mentioned your other brother. Can you talk a little bit about who your family is? Because you are so uh, pro-country, pro-doing the right thing. It's clearly evident in how you were raised. Well, yeah. It, it, the truth be known, when I describe my family in public, I say my family is the Clampets meet the Simpsons. We are just a typical redneck working family. I never thought I would be anything but working class. My youngest brother is actually the first person in my entire family that ever graduated from college. He graduated with honors and he went straight into the sheriff's office. Um, but I would just was a working kid. My mom raised three boys by herself. My parents divorced when I was 14, um, the oldest of three boys. And uh, so we raised that we shifted from being kind of a, a middle class family to being um, my mom, whatever times there wasn't food in the house. I mean, and so it was tough for a few years. And um, so that's my background. But 
I came from a law enforcement family, cousins and uncles and extended family. So um, we've always had that kind of respect. Uh, we love the military. Tom joined the Marine Corps in 1990, was a Marine for four years, reenlisted after he, and in between the time of reenlistment, he worked out at the prison. He was a corrections officer out in Florence with a special management unit. Then he reenlisted in the Army. So we've always had service backgrounds in our family. I'm just kind of the black sheep that never... That never got into law enforcement. I was I hurt myself when I joined the military, so I got a discharge early on. So you know, I ended up doing this. It's funny you say you you never got into law enforcement, but law enforcement got into you. You are one of the biggest advocates for the men and women who do this job. The amazing people who sign up every day, whether it's military or or law enforcement, fire service. You, you you're, you're the one of the loudest, strongest voices in support of. Um, and what's funny is if you listen to you on the radio, and we hope people do listen to you during the week on KTAR, your mom was in town recently. You and I were talking on the phone for a second. And as, as tough and big as you seem, you're like, I, I got to go take my mom here. It was just cool to see you in that role as just a proud son. You appeared very, very proud of her. Yeah. You know, my mom was my hero. You know, I when I started taking care of myself as a young adult, um, I realized how hard she must have worked to feed four people. I mean, I was a struggling on my own and she raised three boys. And when she went into the workforce, she didn't have many marketable job skills at all and was given an opportunity and just worked three jobs until she got an opportunity to career. Um, she ended up retiring. She has a small pension. She hangs out with my brother's kids. Um, so she's enjoying her, her days. And that is as successful to me as an Elon Musk would be, you know, in another circumstance. She overcame the odds in a huge way. And so yeah, she's my hero. So when she talks about you, obviously she, you know, all of her sons have done uh, remarkable things. She's incredibly proud of her family. When she talks about you, what does she describe? What, what does she say you do? What does she describe you as? To uh, well, what her favorite thing to say about me is she spent the first three years of my life trying to teach me to talk and the rest of it trying to get me to shut up. Oh, amen. And um, so that's uh, I've talking, paying me to talk for a living is almost unfair. Um, and so when she describes it to people, she's she's very proud of me. But she's also amazed because no one ever imagined that, that my life would take this turn. I was an electrician and that's what all I thought I'd ever be. So this is just such a weird it's still after 12 years is such a weird thing for me to do. So so how does that happen? You you're leaving high school. You mentioned being an electrician. Like how in the world you talked about doing public speaking things, but how do you look and at radio and say, look, I think I could do this. I have an eye for politics. I have an eye for people. How does that happen? I didn't. I, I um, It found me. I went on the air and used my real name. You know, everybody makes up a radio name. And I've had people ask me if I've made this name up. And I said, if I was going to make up a name, why would I make up Broomhead? But I never imagined this would be a career. I imagined it would be a hobby and it would be a fun story to tell later in life. And when it, I really dawned on me that this was my career, it was shocking because I'm not a broadcaster. It's just something that seemed to fit my personality. And, um, I love what I do. This is the job I love. So, um, I just never imagined I would do it, but now that I'm doing it, I'm going to do it till they fire me. There's so much preparation involved with what you do. You mentioned loving it. Does it feel like work or is it a, just a work you love? It, it, it never really feels like work. Um, 
uh, I don't want my bosses to hear this uh, because they have to pay me and I want them to think it's a struggle. But it's uh, no, it's never felt like work. And I think it might be like in a way like your job where one day you feel like you're a rookie police officer. But after years of experience that compounds itself, you find out you're a seasoned officer mentoring other people. For me, the politics kind of compounds itself. You learn simple math in elementary school and you learn algebra in high school, but you don't just jump into algebra. It kind of grows. So after a while, the storylines don't change, but the names do. And so it's just part of, of growth, I guess, is how I get to where I am. You, you have a skill and it's got to be an intentional skill. I always wanted to ask you about this. So I hear you interviewing people and there may be people you don't agree with, but you're always willing to listen and you never beat up on people. You always are respectful. You let them say what they got to say. You honor their opinion. You push back when appropriate. How do you find that define? How how do you define that balance? What what is too much? When would you turn off a guest that they wouldn't want to come back on? Um, there's two schools of thought and that I use, and one of them is if it's someone that I think is going to hang themselves, give them enough rope to do it. Um, I want people to hear it from their mouth. And the other thing, from my point of view, is. I've got the rest of the show to rebut anything they say. So I want to be fair because if I bring a guest on, it's not just fair to the guest. It's fair to the audience. I want the audience to hear what that person has to say and make their own determination of what they think. The one thing that would turn me off is if I knew somebody was lying, if it, you know, and I'm going to push them on something or if they don't want to answer a question and they're trying to be political in their answer, then I push a little harder because I think people deserve a fair answer to a question. I don't pretend to know when you can turn your brain off. I would imagine you wake up in the morning, you have to start catching up on the news. What did I miss? What's going on? Preparing for the show. What does a day look like for you? And then how do you turn it off on Saturday, Sundays? Um, I, I really don't turn it off because I like it. So um, I get up about a little after five, take care of my dog, come to work. But see, we're lucky on the West Coast because news has been happening two hours earlier on the East Coast. So we get in, we, we've got, it's already happening in New York. So we can see a lot of the national stuff. We try to stay as local as we can. And uh, so that's the more difficult thing is to find the new things that people are talking about here in town. But um, we've got a good process. I got a great producer who helps me with the audio that we play on the air. So we prep for about two hours. Um, and then what we do is we repeat topics a couple of times in the show, because if it's a big story, it's kind of like the hit songs in a four hour period. You're going to hear the hits multiple times. So that helps as well that we're not filling every segment with something new, just maybe a different angle. We're talking to Mike Broomhead from KTR. You've got, I don't want to call it the morning show because uh, it starts at eight, is eight. eight o'clock? Eight o'clock. And goes till noon? Yep. One of the things that you do that the station does that I think is really helpful is they download your broadcast, the highlights, into the podcast form. So if you haven't, please check out KTR online. You can download the podcast if you don't get a chance to hear Mike during the week. One of the things, Mike, that I always ask people, and it's kind of, kind of an ambush question, I mentioned that you're every man. You, you're incredibly relatable to everybody that we've introduced you to or, or run across. What is it that people really want you to say? They want you to be a voice for something when they meet you, find out what they do. What What is that theme that you hear? Um, I think it's... Uh I think it's a lack of appreciation for the for the everyday middle class, working class person. Um, somebody once said to me, they reminded me, I reminded them of Mike Rowe. And when they said that, that was one of the biggest compliments I've ever received because Mike Rowe has made a career out of um, complimenting and highlighting 
the people that work the hardest. And it's not about being the richest, but it's about the people that just do the hardest work. So that's who I picture when I'm on the air. And when I meet people, those that those are the stories I like to hear from people is what they do for a living and how hard they've worked to get to where they are, because I think those are the inspiring stories for people. Do you ever get recognized by your voice? Yeah, I do. Um, it happens a lot. Um, people recognize me when I was home in Florida. Uh, a guy stopped me in Costco because he had heard me when I was doing Glenn Beck's national show. Uh-huh. And um, I was with my brother, the cop, and my nephew, and he stopped me and just wanted to tell me how much he appreciated what I did, which I thought was hilarious because my brother just shook his head. And I was thousands of miles from home, but it was from the national exposure. It was very cool. We appreciate everyone in your family. The service runs through your family and doing the right thing. Uh, but one of the things that, that I really wanted to get from you is what, when you leave this business, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be best known and remembered for? Oh, man. Um, helping people. I, I think the best part of what I get to do is to uh, either rally people to charitable causes or do them myself. Um, it is the most rewarding part of the business that I'm in is that the recognizability and the notoriety allows me to motivate people to action. And plus the voice I have, I can highlight needs in the community and people respond. And if I could be known for that, I think more than anything else, that would be satisfying. Well, I've told you this before off the air, and I want to make sure I tell you on the air. Your support, and I think you're absolutely right. I think there's overwhelming support out there for the men and women in public safety of all aspects. Uh, But you're so supportive yet fair, and that means the world to us because I think people in our career, you know, we don't we don't need to be right all the time. We just need fair, and you you breathe that and we appreciate you so much for that well i i uh, respect what cops do and so i wanted to learn more about it so i've done a lot more ride-alongs than most people have which doesn't mean i know everything but i've got a little bit more insight into how you're treated a lot of times by the by pub the public you're serving and i think people need to hear those stories about the patients that it that you guys exhibit outside and day in and day out in the dangerous situations you're in and if i can bring a little bit of light to that then it's i think the least i can do uh, Mike, I can't thank you enough for your not just your support of public safety, but humanizing the men and women who do this job. And uh, um, I just hope that you you know how much we appreciate you. But I think everybody in our circle at the station really appreciates you. You make hard work look fun, if that makes sense. Oh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And I've worked hard for a long time, but I'm not working hard right now. This, I, is, this is fun stuff. I'm so glad you took the time to join us today, Mike. And thanks again for all you do. Thanks to Bonneville for this time, to Ed, our producer, and to you, the listening audience. Until next week, stay safe. You've been listening to 50 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.